This is Aldrin Sampia on Beyond the Headline. It is 20 minutes after 3 o'clock. We're in conversation next with Nahim Jinnah, Executive Director at the Afro Middle East Center. The United States and its allies has Im- have imposed more sanctions against Iran. The latest move targets a key economic pillar of Iran's Revolutionary Guard Corps, which funds much of the current administration's brutal suppression. To explain what this means, Naeem Jinnah now joining us on the line. Naeem, good afternoon and thank you so much for making time for us. What's the significance of um, these sanctions, considering as well that um, this is not the first time that you've had Western countries imposing sanctions on Iran? Well, in fact, since September, this is the ninth round of uh, sanctions imposed by the United States. Um, And Iran has been uh, living under U.S. and European and other sanctions since 1979, so for 43 years. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's, it's quite deep in terms of the impact of sanctions on the Iranian economy. Um, what it means right now, I mean, you know, there, there's a number of individuals that have been sanctioned from the Revolutionary Guard Corps, uh, the Prosecutor General by the European Union, uh, the UK and the US, um, as well as the foundation that you mentioned, um, which the, the EU says funds a um, good deal of the activity of the Revolutionary Guard Corps. Um, it's not going to have any immediate impact, I don't believe. Uh, I mean, the sanctions, the impact of sanctions on the Iranian economy is uh, quite serious. Um, the state of the economy is, is uh, not, not great. Uh, these particular sanctions are not going to have that much of an impact. It would mean that these individuals would not be able to um, travel to, to those countries. Um, it would mean that uh, that foundation would not be able to do business or hold bank accounts in those countries. And if, they, uh, if it does, uh, those accounts will be frozen. But in practical terms, uh, no, not much. Yeah. So if you look at the statement that was issued by um, Se- Secretary Blinken, one of the points that are made there is also the sanctions against, um, against um, Mojdaba Fada. But in the statement, the explanation goes as far as saying that during November, the 2019 nationwide protest sparked by economic grievances, Fada allegedly ordered mass arrests and directed the use of life ammunition against unarmed protesters, killing over 20 people. While the focus tends to be on what happened since September, however, though, here we have the U.S. government going as far back as 2019. Why would that be? Look, at at this point in time... I think that there's, uh, you know, despite uh, Donald Trump not being in the White House anymore, there still remains a kind of sense of um, maximum pressure from the United States uh, on on Iran. Mm. Uh, what kind of worsens it in the past few months, in the past year, I should say, um, is two things recently. One is the allegations, um, and it, it seems somewhat credible, the allegations that uh, Iran is supplying drones to Russia, yep. which Russia is using in its uh, war on, on Ukraine. Um, and that for much of the Western world, for Europe, um, UK, for, for the US, um, Australia, Canada, etc., um, Ukraine is the biggest issue of the day. I mean, uh, three of those countries I just mentioned, the US, um, UK and Canada, the three biggest suppliers of weapons to Ukraine at the moment to the tune of tens of billions of dollars. 
Um, and so part of it, uh, part, part of the action against Iran is also um, part of the Ukrainian agenda. Yeah. The other thing that happened just recently was the execution of um, a former Iranian deputy defense minister, who Iran accused of having been a spy uh, for for Britain. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, from the British perspective, that's not something that um, uh, that that they would just accept uh, as a kind of humiliation that they would want to retaliate. So it's um, it, it's not just about what is happening on the ground in Iran. The, thing, the, the protests, by the way, have more or less fizzled out uh, to a large extent in Iran now, four months later. I think the longest round of protests uh, in a very, very long time, but they have more or less fizzled out. So to now say that this is just about the, the protests is a bit, a bit disingenuous. Mm-hmm. There are other agendas uh, at play as well. Yeah, because the reference that's being made is to the death of Masa Amina, a young woman taken into custody and allegedly beaten over claims that uh, she wasn't properly uh, following Iran's Islamist-infused dress code. And also, of course, the court orders that have been handed down um, for uh, capital punishment. Yes. <clears throat> so, uh, I mean, uh, Masa Amini's uh, death, um, um, murder, some might call it, in, in September, uh, sparked the protest, and and that was uh, part of the kind of reasoning for the imposition of m- many of these sanctions. As I said, from the U.S., this is the ninth round of sanctions since September, since her death. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, so these are kind of the the, um, the arguments that are being presented for why the maximum pressure should be maintained uh, on Iran. But as I said. You know the the broader geopolitical picture is uh, is as important. Yeah. Um, within within Iran uh, domestically, uh, apart from the fact that the protests have uh, largely not completely but largely fizzled out, um, there has also been a change on the street um, in terms of the greater kind of assertiveness of people, particularly women. Uh, I and mean, if you if you walk in Tehran streets now you'll find large numbers of women without without headscarves at all um, and that comes out of the um, out of the protests that have taken place so the protests have achieved something um, the the sanctions using the protests as an excuse i think is partly kind of disingenuous partly um, uh, to to fulfill other geopolitical objectives and partly because the anti-iranian lobby in some particularly european countries um, are quite strong, um, and they include, for example, former monarchists um, led by the son of the last Shah, who was overthrown in 1979. Yeah, how much of this also has to do with trying to get um, Iran um, around the negotiation table uh, when it comes to nuclear? Well, I, I just watched an interview today with Robert Malley, who's the U.S. Um, envoy to the nuclear talks. Um, and he said that as far as the Americans, as far as the Western powers are concerned, um, they have more important things to deal with right now, and they're not really interested in um, in negotiations around the nuclear deal. And he referred specifically to um, uh, to, to Ukraine. Mm-hmm. So, um, so the the issue is not about forcing uh, Iran to get back to the negotiating table. Uh, the negotiations were on, and then they stopped, um, reached a stalemate, and they stopped. Um, I suspect that Iran, if the talks were to restart, 
would go back. Whether they'd progress, I don't know, but they would go back. So it's not a question of, uh, you know, they don't want to come to the negotiations and we have to force them to. Thank you so much for your time. Nahim Jinnah is the Executive Director at Afro Middle East Center. 0614104107. That is our voice note line. You can also tweet at Aldrin St. Pierre. And our studio line is 086 0002032.